Hello, and welcome to the Yoga Corner. I'm Shelby Phoenix. I'm a yoga instructor, life coach, and founder of the Yoga Corner. I help you find unshakable self-trust and manifest a lifestyle as a yoga entrepreneur. In my podcast, Yoga Corner Chats, I have real conversations with women about their wellness and entrepreneurship journeys. So get cozy and listen in because the next chat is starting now. by Christina Enneby. Christina is a licensed therapist, life coach, and co-host of the Mental Health Matters podcast. She specializes in working with type A high achievers struggling with major life transitions and change due to analysis, paralysis, perfectionism, and anxiety. So today we're going to be talking about anxiety, fear of failure, and perfectionism. And I know that that is something that affects my clients a lot. So I'm so excited to talk about this today. Hi, Christina. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. I'm excited. Um, I was wondering if it's okay with you. I like to um, start these interviews by taking a couple of deep breaths together. Yes, please. <laughs> is that okay with you? That, Absolutely. that helps me with my anxiety. So yeah, I think that's, that's a great idea. <laughs> All right. And anyone who's listening now or later, I invite you to join us as well. All right, Christina, settle into your chair, straighten up your spine and let your shoulders relax down your back. Begin to take a long, deep, slow inhale through your nose, filling up all the way down to your toes. And exhaling out. Another full deep breath in. And release. One last breath together, fill up. And empty. And if your eyes are closed, flutter them open. Love that. Thank you. I oh, needed you're that. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if um, I wanted to start by just asking you to introduce yourself and yeah. your business and what you do. Yeah. So I'm a licensed therapist and a coach, and I work primarily online with clients and I specialize in anxiety, perfectionism, imposter syndrome, you know, all that fun stuff that comes along with anxiety. So my clients are very type A, they like structure, they like organization, um, but a lot of the things, the themes that fuel a type A personality often come with a lot of problematic behaviors like what we're gonna be talking about today. So yeah, that's a little bit of my background. Um, and I'm in New Hampshire. I'm located on the seacoast, um, which I just moved here a few months ago and I love it. So <laughs> um, I feel like my clients also like there's this theme of like anxiety, like perfectionism, like never feeling like confident or ready to yeah. like get started on something. Mm -hmm. Um so like starting with anxiety and perfectionism and all those kind of behaviors that you talked about, 
how are these things connected? Oh my gosh, in so many ways. I mean, let's, um, let's, let's figure out like when we're talking about like perfectionism, for example, yeah. what is it that's fueling that drive to be perfect? What is it that is fueling the, the hyper focus around making sure that everything is exact and meeting these certain standards? Nine times out of 10, it's fear fear of not being enough, fear of failure, fear of messing up, or fear of judgment, yeah. fear of rejection. It's fear, um, which is anxiety, right? I yeah. mean, anxiety is this constant pervasive worry, um, worrying about what ifs and the unknown and feeling out of control. So mm. it all goes hand in hand. Um, like, let's even take like one step back what is anxiety and like how is it different than everyday stress well i love that question because i do think that anxiety gets thrown around a lot as like a buzzword uh yeah. so i think it is helpful to it to distinguish the difference i think we all know the feeling of stress i think yeah. every everybody experiences stress the idea is like if we take away those specific stressors or those triggers, then the symptoms should subside, right? right? The the overwhelm, the maybe like the irritability, difficulty sleeping, energy problems, right? Like all of those things should essentially dissipate when yeah. the stressor or the problem has been resolved. But with anxiety, it's not the case. Anxiety is chronic and persistent and pervasive. So even though there might not be any true threat, there's always a perception of threat. So there's always something that you can be worrying about or thinking about. And obviously there's a lot of like subcategories of anxiety and anxiety disorders. Um, but if we're just talking about like generalized anxiety, right, that's very common. Um, and so it's like, even when you take away those things, the anxiety and those feelings are still there. Mm. And so before, like, um, you talked about fear, like fear of rejection, fear of not being enough, imposter mm -hmm. syndrome, like all mm -hmm. those fears. So when you're having anxiety as opposed to stress, are those fears the kind of threats that your mind and body are responding to many times yeah yeah it's those common themes and uh, those common themes with my clients it's it's a lot of that fear of how am i going to be perceived how are people mm. going to respond to me what are people going to think about me um it's this you know not wanting to put yourself out there to possibly face rejection um, right. Or attaching senses of self to output, to accomplishments, to mm. productivity, you know. So if if I'm striving for my work to be perfect, that means people are going to think I'm perfect and I've got my shit together. Right. Um, you know what I mean? So yeah. that anxiety is a, a lot of that sense of self is attached to output and, right. and work. And so if if work fails or if these goals aren't accomplished, there's a feeling of I'm not enough. 
Right. I need to be better. I need to be better. I need to be better. And it's funny because a lot of times there aren't any clear cut goals as far as what does better even look like. Right. So a lot of times people are striving for these arbitrary ideas of perfection that aren't even real or clear. And so they're just, it's like a hamster wheel effect. Right. (laughs) You're like never climbing to the top. There is no top. There is no top. Exactly. Um, I know in my personal experience, I have been diagnosed with several anxiety disorders and I started noticing them when I was, or I started, I guess my parents started noticing when I was in middle school and high school because they started making me go to therapy mm-hmm. and I didn't understand. I, I think I thought that's just what everyone felt like. Oh, and yeah. when the therapist explained it to me that that's not like everyone's experience, it surprised me a lot. Mm. So I'm wondering how does, how might someone know when it's time to seek therapy or other treatment? Well, first off, like, I want to say that that's actually pretty awesome that your family encouraged you (laughs) to get help at such a young age, because I have the opposite issue where I was, I mean, I think I first actually experienced depression and then anxiety came on later in life, but I didn't know that there was such thing as getting support and help for it right so it took me until like adulthood to realize <laughs> that I could and that it was acceptable and okay to get right help. so um, that's awesome that you actually got that um in in your uh your youth um but to answer your question um so for anxiety specifically to be a diagnosable disorder or like mental illness is that it impacts your functioning. Mm-hmm. So how is it getting in the way of your ability to have healthy relationships? Is your work impacted? Is your school life impacted? Are you sleeping? Are you eating? Um, what are your moods like during the day? Is it, are you able to get things done? Do you procrastinate? Do you um, stay in bed most days? You know, just right. like, normal functioning gets impacted. And so if you're starting to notice that your anxiety and your fear is getting in the way of you just living your life, then it's probably time to seek support. And I always recommend that people start with therapy versus just starting with medication alone. Yeah. Or if you're going to try medication, also be working with a therapist. I don't always advise just medication like alone unless maybe you have had a history of being in and out of therapy um but I do think it's helpful to address mood disorders internally and externally and it's something I talk about a lot um is working with the biology and then working with the external factors yeah absolutely so can you um maybe explain that a little little bit more when you said external and internal factors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we, we all have biological vulnerabilities to certain things. So if I always use the example of like, if you had a family history of diabetes, your biology is more susceptible to diabetes. 
you can right. combat that with diet and exercise, sometimes you still might get diabetes, right? right? Just because of your biology. So people who have anxiety, depression, um, psychosis, uh, personality disorders, like all of these things, they have some biological vulnerability to mental illness. Mm. It's, it's, it's common that if you have a family history of anxiety and depression, you more likely can yeah. get anxiety and depression. But let's say all of that is at bay, but then you add stress, you right. add life events, um, your first child moving to a new city, starting a new school, um, a, a job, job stress, like you, you add in all of these elements and there you have a recipe for, <laughs> for right. disaster, right? For anxiety in that you've got the external factors and that, and the internal factors coming together and now you have these problems. And right. so I think it's so important for you to, for people to examine their health holistically yeah um because we are whole people right so if we're talking about brain health we're also talking about physical health right it's all connected. Yes. and so addressing our health from the internal and the external internal how's your sleep how's your nutrition um how's your exercise how is your overall stress management are you using substances are you taking medication you know, all right. those things. And then how are you addressing it externally? What, um, what are you doing for time management? What are you doing for your relationships? What are you doing for your work? Um, you know, there's a lot of different things that people can try, but I think right. addressing it from both sides is really effective. Yes. You, when we were talking earlier and I shared about how I was able to get help and treatment at a young age mm -hmm. and in contrast, you didn't even know that was accessible or acceptable until mm -hmm. adulthood. And even though it's 2022, there's still this huge stigma around mm -hmm. mental health. Yeah. Um, and I know I've experienced it like at the workplace, like, mm -hmm. um, having a time where I might've been in a mental health crisis, but not feeling like I was entitled to take a day off, even though yeah. I was sick or, yeah. um, feeling ashamed of your disorder or how you're feeling or going to seek help. So mm -hmm. how, what, why do you think it's so important to advocate for mental health and try to, how can, can we try to change that stigma? I think more people being open and vulnerable and sharing their experiences with mental health, even if you don't have a diagnosable mental illness, right? right. Um, I think even just talking about everyday stressors and how like everybody experiences hardships and mental health um, problems, I think yeah. having ongoing conversations will help other people to feel that it is okay and it's safe to yeah. share. But I can totally understand how people would be scared to be open about that, especially if maybe they have faced rejection in the past or were 
told not to feel the way that they feel or right. were punished for feeling the way that they feel. Right. Um, like it's so frustrating when I do work with teenagers or kids who clearly have anxiety and depression, but their yeah. parents are saying, no, they're yeah. just moody or they're just, right. a, they're just a teenager. This is, you know, they don't, they don't need medication. They don't need this, right? right. They want us to fix their kids' problems when, <laughs> like, we're, we're helping them find solutions, but um, met with a lot of resistance. And so right. education, 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 validation, support, you know, all of those things are really important. I do see a shift, and maybe social media has been a great way for people to speak more openly about mental health. I do yeah. think it has become more acceptable, more, um, more sought out as, yeah. as like something that's normal. And it also depends on like where you're located and your community right. and culture too. Like there's so yeah. many different factors involved. Um, I do find that like older generations are more resistant because they were brought up that you don't talk about these things. Whereas right. now, like younger generations, like they're talking about mental health in school, which is amazing. Right. And, and there's so many different resources now available to people. So I think the conversation is getting better. I just think it, it is an ongoing dialogue for sure. Yes. I've noticed, well, on TikTok, right? There's so many in people yeah. sharing about their stories and mm -hmm. like, just their personal experiences and mm -hmm. different symptoms they experience and hearing those stories is so validating yeah especially if you feel like you've been kind of struggling alone and yeah. speaking of social media as a therapist you're showing your face and like being very open on social mm -hmm. media and I know that's not always the case can you speak to that a little bit yeah, it is something that I'm still personally battling sometimes of how much do I share of myself? Where's that line of um, self-disclosure? Because right. as therapists in school, we're taught do not self-disclose, do not talk about yourself, do not have social media. There's so many right. clear cut lines that you do not cross. And a lot of that is for ethical reasons liability reasons like they're there for a reason but i also think a lot of that mentality is very old school because we do right. have social media now and people do seek out working with people because of their personality because they feel a right. connection because they vibe with their style right right um which is awesome to know that you are choosing a therapist that you believe is the right fit for you you're not just right. defaulting because that's that's just like what um your insurance will cover kind of thing right um so i definitely think it's what i share and how i choose to show up on social media always is coming from a genuine authentic place and that i want to provide value and support right and i think by being vulnerable about my history and my experience yeah. with therapy, um, anxiety, depression, medication, I think it helps. I think it helps people to understand that therapists 
go to therapy. Therapists right. are just human beings that have right. problems just like everybody else. And if we're walking the talk, walking the walk, talking the talk, right. um, then, then people know that it's not just bullshit. You know, right. we're not just preaching these things and we don't believe in them. Um, or we're not just preaching these things and they don't actually help people. Like right. therapists, we're not just here to listen to people vent. We're here right. to provide evidence, like scientific evidence supported uh, treatment and right. techniques right. and tools. So I think it's so important for clients or potential clients or just people public in the public to see that this stuff works if you work on it and right. if you give it time and if you put these things into practice, but everybody's journey and everybody's experience is different. So, um, but I have had clients ask me personally, like how I've dealt with things or how I, what's my experience been like with medication. And I think it does help because this is, you know, you build relationships with people too, and they, right. they feel like they can trust you and um, you're not going to lead them astray kind of thing or give them like wrong information. Right. Yeah. Building that trust and building yeah. that relationship is so, so important. I think when you're going through therapy, like having that yeah. person that you can really connect with. Mm -hmm. um, and so Obviously, the past few years have been collectively very stressful mm -hmm. with the pandemic and lots of other things going on. And I've noticed on the news and everything, though, you know, that anxiety is going up in mm -hmm. general in the world. And um, I'm wondering if you've noticed that in your clients and talking with people. Yeah, it's, it's uh, like a hundred percent. Obviously we're going through a worldwide, um, worldwide pandemic. And I remember when this first started 2020, March, February, 2020. Mm -hmm. And I was, um, was working as a therapist. It was so effing hard. It was so yeah. effing hard because I couldn't separate my problems from my clients' problems. Like normally mm. we're, you know, therapists are good about boundaries and can compartmentalize, but this was something that everybody in the whole entire world right. was experiencing. And I was like, holy shit, like, yeah, I don't know how to handle this. Right. So yeah, I, it, it has definitely stirred up a lot of anxiety interestingly enough social anxiety especially for kids because mm. maybe they started middle school or started high school or started college and they right. were alone and isolated for like a year before they yeah. could have that social interaction um so in those stages of development they it was disrupted almost for a lot right. of kids so a, a lot of kids experience pandemic and COVID anxiety for sure. Um, and it's not just a perceived threat. It's a real threat. Right. COVID was a real threat. Right. So yeah, yeah, I definitely saw a lot more of that 
However, not silver lining, but a good thing to come out of all of this was that telehealth became more accessible. We were able to yes. cross state lines with clients. Um, we were able to provide more support than we ever really had before. And yeah. And now telehealth is a normal practice that more people are doing. And like for me, it allows me to reach the entire state versus right. just a small area. So it, in that sense, mental health, mental health treatment and therapy, I believe became more accessible and more reachable for people. And I do think that a lot more people were looking for help during, during the last couple of years. So that maybe yeah. they wouldn't have, have sought out before. Yeah. I can relate a little bit to what you were saying. Cause I, when the pandemic started, I was a middle school and high school teacher and Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so when the rug got pulled out from under us, like I was freaking the fuck out. Like I was very oh stressed, God. very anxious. Yeah. And then I could see the kids like crash and burn. And I'm yeah. like, I don't know if I can leave these kids cause I'm struggling to keep my yeah. head above water. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really hard to watch all of them struggle mm -hmm. so much. And that's why I am really passionate about teaching kids yoga because I feel like that age group sometimes gets like forgotten about like you said like oh the surgeon's yeah. kids like they'll get over it blah blah, blah yeah. their hormones I mean kids are so freaking resilient it's amazing <laughs> they're so they're so amazing however it is so important to validate kids mental health because so often they are not seen and they are not heard or yeah. they're just dismissed so yeah. you know your work is so incredibly important because you are combining the internal with the external when you're working with your clients you're talking right. about mental health and you're working on calming the body and working on stress and yeah. so your work is so important and the fact that you Thank do you. work with kids and teens um, which is such, I mean, you gotta be a special person to be able to work with kids and teens. I have a few kids and teens myself, but it's definitely not, um, not an area that I'm a hundred percent comfortable <laughs> with. And I'm completely honest about that. Um, so I just, I think what you do is amazing and it's, I'm a huge advocate for, for yoga, especially for anxiety. Yeah. Thank you so much. And for me, like, when I first started my incorporating yoga, like, into my lifestyle very regularly, I was probably at the worst my anxiety has ever been. Like, mm -hmm. I was physically very ill from it and also, like, mentally wasn't doing well, internal and external. Mm -hmm. um, and what I learned very quickly was, the connection between my mind and my body yeah how the anxiety was affecting my physical health and how that was affecting my mental health and then it's this mm -hmm. kind of a spiral mm -hmm. and I don't think that's talked about enough mm -hmm. yeah what do you think is important to know about that 
I think often people are so good at suppressing feelings, ignoring feelings, distracting mm. from feelings. And so it's difficult when you start working with somebody who doesn't know how to express their feelings effectively or in a healthy way. However, people are, people are pretty tuned in to like, I have headaches. Yeah. I'm not sleeping. I'm nauseous all the time. I have irritable bowel syndrome. Right. I have gut problems. Like I'm so tired all the time. People are pretty tuned in to the physical stuff, but I don't think yeah. people always add, always acknowledge where that's coming from. Right. They go on a diet. They, right. they work with a nutritionist. They work with a, a, a medical professional. And then come to find out, oh, it's anxiety. It's it's yeah. in your it's it's your mental health that's affecting yeah. all these different parts of you. So, working with somebody to be able to process your emotions, communicate effectively, feel your feelings in a safe way, um, without judgment, all of that can help to regulate what's going on in your body. Yeah. But it's, it is so important for that mind body connection. It, it's all, it's all connected. Um, yeah. And I say all the time, like when you feel good physically, you feel good mentally and vice versa. Right. So I'm a, I'm a huge advocate for exercise, nutrition. Like I said, I talk about all of that holistic stuff <laughs> yes. um, a lot because it's, it's important. Um. Yeah, it is important, right? And and when I was really sick, I was having all those symptoms. Like I was having tummy problems. I was nauseous mm -hmm. all the time. I caught migraines. Like um, I lost a lot of weight. And mm -hmm. I would go to the doctor and I go, would like demand, like I want a test. I got a colonoscopy. I had all these tests. Oh my done. God. <laughs> and like every time the doctor would you know, over and over say, this is like anxiety, you should be like treating this as a mental health issue. And I would get angry. <laughs> I uh, would be like, no, it's yeah. physical. And after I realized it's all connected, it was a game changer in the way that mm -hmm. I just like treated my, my body and myself. Yeah. Um, um, oh, excuse me. <laughs> I got a fuzzy <laughs> on my lip. Um, but I think that maybe came, came back to that stigma piece of like, people don't want to acknowledge that that they do have anxiety or some right. kind of mental health thing going on. And I think that is part of that stigma. So uh, that's awesome that your doctor even brought that up because yeah. I do think that is more now the conversation. Um, but yeah, a lot of people don't want to acknowledge that maybe there's, there's some mental health stuff going on too. That's contributing yeah. to physical health. Um, I forgot what I was just going to say. Um, oh, yeah. So tying back into, like, perfectionism and fear of failure, mm -hmm. I've heard the term um, high-functioning anxiety <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's connected to that idea of perfectionism and being type A. Yeah. Is that a real thing? And, wh <laughs> and what does it mean? So, yeah. So I think when we use the term high functioning, what we're 
talking about is we're talking about being able to on the outside you look like you have your shit together you maybe you do identify as a perfectionist um, you are a high achiever you are able to get things done and maybe on the outside people wouldn't even know that you struggle with anxiety right. whereas maybe low functioning anxiety or low functioning um, person with anxiety they're not getting out of bed they're not able to work they they don't have um, strong relationships like they need a maybe a higher level of care right whereas these people that we see on social media or maybe in your personal life as like wow they're, they're, I don't know how they do it. They just go, right. go, go, they get so much done. Um, they might have intense anxiety. They might have intense fear that if they don't produce and if they don't do all the things, then right. they're going to be a failure. And mm -hmm. so it's that fear that's really driving a lot of that overproduction and overwork. And then eventually like that's not sustainable. So people often crash and burn and yeah. can experience burnout. Um, or they might notice that the things that used to be motivating and fulfilling are not anymore. Maybe people feel really numb to the things right. that they used to enjoy and love. Um, entrepreneurs, especially like you fall mm -hmm. out of love with your business. You, right. you start procrastinating on things. You don't get back to people. You start letting things slip through the cracks, right? Because that perfectionism is not sustainable. Right. So when we're, yeah, when we're talking about high functioning, I think we're just talking about those people who on the outside seemingly have it all together, but inside they're, they're just like a ticking time bomb. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. It's like, um, putting on your mask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know, I mean, I've been guilty of that too. You know, I'm, I'm very type A and I used to hold myself to a high unrealistic standard that, you know, nothing was ever satisfying. Nothing was ever good enough. And that, I think that fear, that anxiety contributed to depression and it all like yeah. you know, muddled together. And so really working on when I work with people who have um, perfectionism, it's a lot of mindset shifts. It's a lot of yeah. challenging and changing thinking. It's a lot yeah. of deconditioned, you know, behavior and beliefs. Um, I, I've worked with a lot of athletes. I used to be an athlete mm. and that perfectionism is that very makes a lot of sense. Yeah. rooted in athletes. And it's conflicting messages, which is really tough because on the one hand, people are telling you, you have to be perfect. And on the other hand, perfectionism isn't real. Like to be, <laughs> so it's like, hold on one second, dad. Sorry. No, it's okay. So it's just like, right. it's so tough for people to know what to do. Right. And, and in our society, I think perfectionism is glorified mm. as, as, like people should be striving for perfection. People should right. be perfect. And, and I think that has been the downfall of social media is it's so easy to compare ourselves to 
every other right. person who we see as having it all together. When in reality, we don't know their story. We don't know what's right. really going on. Um, right. I saw this so much in the fitness world of so much disordered eating, so much self-loathing, self-harm. Mm, right. And on the outside, people are like, I want to be like that. I want to look like that. They, they're amazing. Like they have it all together. When in reality, right. like they were the most self-destructive, like sad people. <laughs> so, right. It's tough. <laughs> um, if you could give maybe one example of like a perfectionist thought or an anxious thought and a, a way to rewrite that. Yeah. So a lot of something the, that's more the, productive. Yeah. The, the type of therapy I do is cognitive behavior therapy, which is a lot of that. It's the challenging, the thinking and the reframing. So coming up with either a, a positive, more positive way of looking at it or a more risk, realistic, accurate way of looking at it. So right. like a perfectionist thought might be, well, if I'm not going to be great at this thing, then I'm not even going to try. <laughs> so it's like self-sabotage in a way of like, if I know I, I'm not going to do this well, I'm not going to do it at all. Right. And so what I would do with clients who might have that kind of thought or that kind of behavior is to one, be aware of how that thought is affecting their behaviors ineffectively. So it's interesting that perfectionists actually tend to get a lot less done than non-perfectionists. Perfectionists are not actually as productive as they might think that they are because they get stuck on things or they don't complete things, or they don't even try to do things. It's that all or nothing thinking. So what we want to do is try to challenge that thought. Yeah. Notice where it's totally. actually not helping. And how do we come up with a more accurate thought? Like, perhaps um, a reframe could be, I know this isn't perfect and at the standard that I would like, and I'm going to do it anyway. I noticed that in my students. So when I was a teacher, I was an art teacher and even kids as young as sixth grade, you could give them all the art materials in the world and mm -hmm. examples and how to's and, or just, you know, whatever. And they're terrified that if they draw on the paper, it's mm -hmm. not, I don't, I, I suck at art. So I'm not going to even try because I don't want, I don't, I don't want other people to think I'm bad or it's going to exactly. be bad. It's not going to be Mona Lisa. So what's the point? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so recognizing that that's actually holding you back. It's, it's preventing you from accomplishing things, which if that's your ultimate goal to accomplish things, then you're actually right. just self-sabotaging right. because of this idea of perfectionism. So I often tell clients, the, the goal is to not be perfect at it. The goal is to make mistakes. The yeah. more mistakes that you make, the less of this need to be perfect um, you'll have. So like if there's a project that you're working on and you think it sucks, <laughs> do it anyway. Like send it out into the world before you're ready right. and see what happens more often than not, nobody's even going to notice the things that you're right. 
hyper-focusing on. So right. just do it anyway and, and see what happens. And action, action is so important when it comes to therapy, at least the work that I do with clients. It's like, yeah, we're not just talking about things. We're also doing things. So, right. Yeah. It's about challenging that thinking. Yeah. I love that. Make as many mistakes as possible. Like yeah. that's the goal. That's the point. Yeah. Is that you're get, it's going to be, it's going to be bad. <laughs> like it's going right. to seem bad to you and it's going to seem cringy. Like I do it all the time. If you follow me on Instagram and you see like my reels and stuff, like I've made grammatical spelling errors, like things yeah. have been synced up. Um, I'll maybe get like two likes on something that I spent so right. much time on. And it's yeah. just like, whatever, like it's show I'm still showing up right. and providing consistency and that helps me more than anything. Right. You know, so <laughs> I do it <Yes>. too. <laughs> um, and also I think two things, one, when you get to make a mistake and realize like, you're not going to die or like, you know, the whole world isn't going to hate you or like all mm -hmm. these terrible things are going to happen. Mm -hmm. I think it builds like a resilience almost like mm -hmm. the next time you're not it gets a little easier or maybe a little less scary or you mm -hmm. have more of an idea of what to expect um and also if you're striving for this perfection right and you're putting out what's perfect you're not relatable like other yeah. people people see the mistakes or or maybe they don't but when you you know take yourself down a level it's like oh, I want to work with that person because they made a silly spelling error or like that video was funny and like I can relate yeah. to them. Yeah, nobody is perfect. And to, to preach perfectionism is not realistic. And, I, and, and, and it is tough when you have those other voices from people that expect and demand things of you, like in the workplace, for example, right. or like in sports. Um, so yeah, so it, it is a lot of, of going against what feels comfortable. Right. Perfectionism might feel comfortable and it, it might feel like a safe space for a lot of people because they're anticipating that they, that they will know what the outcomes are if they can control every step along the way. Right. And honestly, like... <laughs> We're shattering that idea because we have no zero control over outcomes. Right. And I say this all the time. Even if we do all the right things, shit could still hit the fan. Right. Like, let's use COVID as a perfect example. That's a, that. what I was exactly going to say. Yeah. Oh, my God. So building resiliency. When you know that you can come on the other side. Right. Surviving, being okay. Like all of those worst case scenarios didn't actually happen. You do become more right. resilient and confident. To wrap up this interview, I wanted you to just share uh, where people can find you mm -hmm. and what you're offering right now. And um, also maybe just uh, speak a little bit about your podcast. Oh yeah, I always forget about it. <laughs> It's terrible, <laughs> terrible marketing. Um, yes, so you can connect with me on Instagram at Christina Councils. That's where I share all of my updated information. 
Um, I'm working on a program around fear of failure um, geared toward entrepreneurs. So if you're interested in that topic, um, definitely want to connect with me on Instagram because that's where I'll be sharing when that's going to be launching and available to people. And yeah, so um, I, I am currently accepting clients. I have a very limited availability at the moment, but I do have room for a few clients. So if you're located in New Hampshire, or um, I actually can provide telehealth to Floridians as well. So if you're in New Hampshire or Florida, I can work with you as a client. So you can always reach me on here or my website. And then my podcast. Yeah. So Mental Health Matters podcast is a, a podcast I co-host with a friend and fellow clinician. And we talk about all things mental health and wellness. And it's really a platform for us to continue working on that destigmatizing yeah. of mental health, talking about relatable real life experiences that we all go through while also providing some psychoeducation around it and some resources and support. So my partner Hillary and I sometimes will have guests on who are subject matter experts. Um, and so, yeah, we, uh, we have a Instagram Hillary and Christina for that as well. So you can connect with us there too. If, because we always want to know what you guys, what yeah. our listeners want to, hear and know about so um yeah that's that's that um yeah I've been listening to your podcast when I've been um driving around and it's oh. really really good so I think everyone should go check that out I've been listening to it I think on just Apple Podcasts yeah it's and, Apple Spotify oh it's um, on Spotify too cool yeah yeah, yeah. Oh and gosh, I will tag all of that in my little post when I post this yeah, and if you're ever interested, we're always looking for guests. So if Ooh. you're interested, especially we really want to connect with local guests because right. um, because we are in New England and it, it, they are such small communities. We want to make right. sure that people who like need resources have access to those resources and know where to find people. So um, yeah, if you're interested in coming that. on, <laughs> we, can awesome. we can talk about that. All right, we'll definitely connect about that. Cool. Thank you so much, Christina. I want to Thank express you, my Sarah. gratitude for you for coming Thank on uh, Yoga Corner Chats and also for um, just being a mental health advocate and um, and for sharing so much valuable information. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me and for letting me talk to your people. And I, like I said, I'm a huge supporter of what you do. So. Um, I'm very Thank happy so to, to have found you and connect with you. So, All right, Christina and everyone else, have an awesome Bye. rest of your day, and we'll chat soon, Christina. Bye. Bye. Thank you all for joining Christina and I on Yoga Corner Chats today. You can find all the information you need to find Christina and what she has to offer in the caption or show notes of this episode. Please don't forget to give me a review and subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes of Yoga Corner Chats. Did you know that I'm an entrepreneur and mindset coach? I guide yoga teachers to get to the root of why they're pursuing entrepreneurship and how they want to foster their business. I ask my clients questions that intuitively help them understand who their ideal client is, 
brand messaging, authentic marketing strategies, the energetics of pricing, boundary setting, and much more. When you commit to six months of us working together, I guarantee that you will leave my coaching program feeling empowered and ready to take on the next high and low of business. It is my intention that you are inspired to embody your identity as an entrepreneur. If you are ready to listen to your intuition and take the leap into yoga entrepreneurship, there are three spots available to work together in this one-on-one container. I am currently accepting clients into my six-month one-on-one entrepreneurship mindset coaching program for yoga teachers. If this is something you are interested in, send me an email or Instagram message and we'll set up a clarity call. The Yoga Corner chat replays can be found most places you listen to podcasts. Please don't forget to give me a review and subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss out on future Yoga Corner chats. Have an amazing day. Chat soon.